0: Hello and welcome to the Experience Lounge podcast. I'm Sasha. I'm Laura. And we're here to talk all things employee experience, experience design, future of work, and digital HR. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to episode two of season three of the Experience Lounge podcast. I hope you're all doing well. Welcome back. This is our first official video recording so you know let's pray to the technology gods that this works but if it does brilliant so this is the first time you'll see us I think on YouTube that's probably where we're going to post this and maybe on LinkedIn and our other social channels which if you're following us you'll see we've been upping the posts and content a lot haven't we so (laughs) um social media gurus we are um anyway lovely to have you all here with us Laura how are you doing
1: I am good it's been been a busy week I think I'm still in um the getting up to speed in the new role so work-wise it's been been pretty full-on I've Mm -hmm. got a long weekend planned which is nice and some of our friends from Singapore are over so I'm taking the day off on Monday and really looking forward to seeing them because we've not seen them for a while so yeah it, it'll be a nice relaxing weekend um how about you
0: yeah hopefully the same so it's chinese new year here so if you're listening happy Lunar yeah. new year if you're celebrating um i've got my little i've got like a little plushie behind me can you see it this little yeah lion you're plushies. the tiger isn't it yeah it is yeah. so really getting into it um and so yeah long weekend for us here so we don't go back to work until next thursday which is lovely so i've got a few activities planned mainly centered around the dock so we're going tomorrow to Lazarus Island did you ever go when you were
1: here? I did I went it was it was actually um when we sort of knew we were moving back it was I made a sort of a bucket list of things that I wanted to see before we we went or or re-see and yeah Lazarus Island was the one I hadn't been to it was really good nice um, it made you feel a bit like you were I wouldn't go as so far as to say Bali-esque but not not Singapore if you know what I mean in terms of sort of the, the busyness of the city
0: yeah it's really nice so we're gonna take the dog over there for the first time which should be super cute um and then taking him to a dog like water park on Sunday I sound like a crazy dog woman which I am but you know you've got to plan activities around him so yeah other than that lots of other fun things as well going on but hopefully it's a good weekend for everybody so but yeah yes. nice and so you're settling into your job role but any house updates any tester updates
1: no tester updates um the car did get its own update as it does in uh, in in the way that they release them a bit like a mobile phone which was a bit fun before christmas because it had all these flashing lights that do tester against our house um but house wise very exciting our um, mortgage offer got approved yesterday so that means providing anyone that's bought a house in the UK would know it can be a lengthy process um so providing it goes through with all the solicitors and stuff um we're we're good we're good so I'm excited I'll be moving out of the in-laws hopefully (laughs) by um I'm hoping by the end of March we could do it like in the in the first quarter of the year so it'll be nice to have our own space and um i'm sure that they will be glad to see the back of us as well fingers crossed
0: and then you're going to set up yes. like your own podcast studio in your new gaff right oh yeah 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 that that is exactly what i'm gonna do and a little gym yeah. as well <laughs> yeah a little gym for your peloton and we could get like neon, matching neon signs in the background that say the experience lounge
1: absolutely we, we want to get merch don't we that's what we were saying is um is the next plan so if people are going to start watching us on video Um, We've both made an effort today to put on some makeup and stuff. Um, And yeah, having the merch would be pretty cool as well, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And just, you know, full disclosure pre agreeing to go on video for this podcast, we used to come on and look awful most of the time. Well, I say that I looked awful most of the time. Never put makeup on, always looked a little bit scruffy, but that's fine. So it's nice to get back into the routine of wearing makeup, actually, because we're not in the office. So I don't really wear makeup that much anyway but you know it's nice to dress up
1: it is it is um yes and for me you know I'm not a morning person so we always record now on a Friday first thing so um I'm always I I do feel bad I'm to always text you being like I'm gonna be 10 minutes late
0: (laughs) no you're fine don't worry about it I'm sure everyone appreciates the the few extra minutes we have right Let's get into today's episode then. So today we're going to be talking about making internal moves a better experience. Um, So the concept of internal mobility, um, it's one when Laura and I were going through our planning process, we both kind of said, this tends to be one that's overlooked. We talk a lot about the onboarding process, um, but very little about that internal mobility experience. So when you're moving from one position to another, um, as you have just done, Laura, actually, um, either within the same function or into a different function as well. So we wanted to talk a little bit about um, why... This is such an important experience and what you can do to design it in a way that is a little bit more employee centric. So hopefully super relevant, especially for those of you that are maybe centering your employee experience strategies around retention and kind of tackling the great resignation, especially if it's hitting your organizations pretty hard. But Before we get into that, as we usually do, here are a few HR tech news updates. And actually, these aren't really HR tech news updates today. They're slightly different, which hopefully everyone will appreciate. Um, So first one, which I thought was quite nice, um, especially, well, not nice. It's it's actually really awful. um, But one that follows on quite nicely from our previous episode on project failures is there was some news published in Forbes this week about a pay. Apocalypse at Google. So it sounds like they went through some kind of payroll re implementation or technology change. Um, But here's a snippet from the article. So it says Some Google employees found that their entire first paycheck of the year had been sent into their retirement accounts due to a technical error, according to Bloomberg. What one employee dubbed Paypocalypse 2022 in the latest high profile payroll mistake. Um, And then there's a few other bits here as to how Google responded. But I just thought it was really interesting because this is our worst nightmare, isn't it? This would be the worst.
1: Yeah. And I think it's I think it's because when we talk a lot about employee experience, we're often talking about some of those kind of key moments that matter. And for me, getting paid is if you think of your sort of hierarchy of needs at work, that is that is the basic one, right, is most people don't, I mean, most people um, would perhaps enjoy their roles, but you would go because you want to get paid. So for that to then not happen is is obviously the the sort of um, the biggest no-no. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, so second news story here is um, actually it's a report that I just kind of wanted to shed some light on and I will leave the links for, for everyone listening. Is talking about fast feedback fueling performance. So it's um, a Gallup research paper and it says employees are hungry for feedback from their leaders, managers and peers. They want to gain insights that advance their abilities and future potential. Just jumping ahead of it, it says Gallup data shows that when employees strongly agree they received meaningful feedback in the past week. So we're the past week as a proximity here, they are almost four times more likely than other employees to be engaged. So this just really goes to show like this kind of yeah, I think we've all moved away from the annual performance cycle most of the time, but this kind of performance feedback loop being more regular is just so important. What do you think, Laura?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's um it's that real philosophy of in the moment feedback that then means it's tangible and actionable. Cause I think what you sort of used to see in organizations is that you'd have the annual performance review and people would kind of save up that window to send out all of their feedback requests whether that was like on a you know platform that you might use from a tech perspective or over email and I think what ended up happening was a people would get loads and loads of requests which therefore if you're going to get loads it probably dilutes what you're going to put in for somebody and then secondly if it's not specifically about and a sort of a project that you've been working on or, or a piece of work then actually you end up with quite generic oh like Laura's a nice person you know it, it's not it's not anything actionable so I think that in the moment feedback when it's related to something really specific is that view of um aggregated performance I think which is um which is then I think going to lead to that sort of hyper performance is that you're able to make those sort of small tweaks as you go and then you perform better overall
0: yeah totally agree um so there there you go Meaningful feedback is frequent feedback and that I loved this tagline in the, in the report as well. Effective feedback has an expiration date, which I think is really cool. So that's it. Just a couple of highlights today, a short news update. And so let's jump into the topic today. So internal mobility, internal moves, how we make that a better experience. So first topic, why does internal mobility matter? Like, why is this an imperative for organisations, and why is ex practitioners or HR practitioners listening? Should we care about this? What do
1: you think? I think we talked about it a little bit in our previous episode. There's a there's a backdrop at the moment in terms of the Great Resignation, and there are there there is a lot of research actually that disengagement of 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 employees can cost companies millions and millions of dollars um up to 60 million a year actually and that replacing an employee can cost up to two times the employee's salary so there's there's a a definite kind of cost element to it i also think there's a a sort of evp branding element actually as well in the sense of if you sort of see a mass exodus of of people leaving the organization and and i think we're quite familiar with platforms like Glassdoor where people will kind of rate that experience externally mm-hmm. of um of their employers. I think that has a massive potential to have impact on your EVP and mm-hmm. then your ability to um to to attract talent. I think there's also the piece about knowledge and and sort of retention of that knowledge, particularly if people are doing roles that are quite specialist. And mm-hmm. I do think though there's something about when is it the right time for people to perhaps move internally or when is it the right time for them to leave the organisation with a view that they could always come back. So I think when you think about that sort of with talent moves within an organisation, it is sort of assessing what 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 can that employee give to the organisation, what can the organisation give back to them and sort of looking at I think the longer term strategy of it could be beneficial that, that person goes away, works in another park of um of the organization or works outside the organization and comes back and brings that that sort of um that skill set what do you think
0: yeah i agree i think i agree with everything that you said um i would echo i think we really overlook the value of retaining knowledge within the organization and not even just kind of knowledge as it relates to the role you're executing but just knowledge of kind of how to navigate the landscape who to influence who are your big stakeholders you know, those really key things and being able to keep that and move that around the organization, depending on, you know, if there's new projects elsewhere, or, you know, you're opening new parts of the business, I think it's really, really important. So I definitely think that is a huge part of internal mobility. I think the other thing is around that retention piece. If I go into an organization, or if I were to go into an organization, I want to know that there's an opportunity for me to move, Um, not only going to another organization, but being able to step into a new opportunity if I fall in love with working at that organization. So I think, you know, you, you can't be inspired by something you can't see. You can't get excited about a role that you can't apply for or you can't see other people moving into as well. So I think you know, when an organization makes a promise, like we care about our people, we want to develop our people, you know, I think part of it is that providing development resources and opportunities, but actually it's about that career piece and providing that next step and providing coaching to move into that next step. So I I just think it's so important from a a retention perspective and that attraction piece, because I'm sure there are people that will look at organizations and see, is this somewhere I can stay if I choose to do so? So I think it's super important. Um, and I and I think, again, we kind of touched on this beforehand. It's a process that we've overlooked and maybe it's because volumes aren't necessarily there because so often when people move, they move on to another organization. Um, but I, I certainly think this is one that we need to get right. And, you know, it's it's also really risky for organizations if they move a great person into a role where they're not thriving. Um, because you'll lose them then. And I would love to look at like a data question here, but you know, what is the average tenure once someone moves into a new role within the organization and what are the driving factors of them leaving? If they do leave, you know, it
1: would be really interesting to see. What do you think? I think it would be super, super interesting. Cause I think that there's definitely the piece around when people do move internally and i know we're sort of going to cover this in the next bit of the episode how do organizations support them particularly i think if it's it's a talent move that's perhaps into a role that's a bit different to what they might have done previously i think that that's sort of how how do you support people because i think so often we focus on um the onboarding experience when people join us externally but it and we've talked quite a bit um previously about experiences where employees might have some time out of the workplace ie if you go on maternity leave and we talk about sort of re onboarding people back into the organization then but actually I do think there's there is something about how do you make that transition more seamless and don't necessarily just leave leave people up to their own devices because I think there's probably a crucial period of, of sort of you know the kind of 30 60 90 days where it it, it does feel a bit like when you're joining a new role or or sort of new organization and and I think you have similar feelings actually to what you would have if you were joining an organization externally as well and and I almost think that view of trying to treat it like you're being onboarded into a new role is is probably probably I don't think loads of organizations will do it but I think it it probably is the way to look at it from an experience perspective
0: yeah for sure and I think just while you were talking about that I imagine there's you know, kind of a psychological element here of people that have been with the organization for a long time moving into a new role, you know, with new hires, they're able to ask questions, they're able to be somewhat vulnerable about not knowing everything or being confused or, you know, needing some help. And so I wonder if there's an element of not being comfortable to ask for that when you are moving internally, because you have all of these years of experience, and there's kind of this assumption or expectation that you're just going to thrive as soon as you get in there um, so but maybe we can cover that one when we talk about that kind of human-centered design element and how can we maybe get out and ask people for that feedback so moving on to topic two what does a great experience look like what would a really good internal mobility um, process look like and so i thought i'd start with a bit of research from um hbr and again we'll share the links here um, but essentially just to kind of call out a few quotes here. So Gartner surveys indicate that a full 49% of people promoted within their own companies are underperforming up to 18 months after those moves. And McKinsey reports that 27% to 46% of executives who transition are regarded as failures or disappointments two years later. They have the right skills and experience. They understand the company's goals. They've been vetted for cultural fit. So why didn't they quickly excel in their new roles? Just jumping ahead. Only 43% of people surveyed in 2021 by the Institute of Corporate Productivity, who even knew that existed, um, said their organisations ensured that transitioning employees were onboarded with guidance and support. So 43% said that they were supported. Only about a quarter said their employees encouraged transitioners to build connections early or create networks to address skills gaps. And I guess the entire sentiment with this bit of uh, research, this article here, is that the key to setting someone up for success is ensuring they have access to the right networks. Um, so that's, that's really interesting. And I think certainly something that both of us can relate to having moved internally. Um, so with that in mind,
1: what do you think makes a good experience, Laura? So I think the the bit of that research that was quite interesting, that I'd want to touch on as well is when you do have a scenario where somebody is actually has actually been promoted, because obviously, through the the, well, I say obviously hopefully <laughs> through the process of um of moving into that role they as that article had said they have been vetted in terms of they do have the skills and capability to operate at that level but I do think there's something about organizations sometimes assume I think that people are just then going to move into that role and and that's sort of it um so I do think there's something about how are we how are we sort of supporting That transition both if it is sort of a a lateral move in terms of the same level but also actually if it is a promotion and the expectation is that they need to operate at a different level that there is the right level of support in place and some of what I think that looks like is um it is sort of helping to facilitate mentoring and coaching relationships and again I think it's a bit remiss to sort of assume that people would be able to do that themselves I think largely A lot of employees would be able to go out and find a mentor but i think the question is are they the right mentor for the purpose of of transitioning into a new role so i think what organizations can do is help with that sort of mentoring relationship and sort of help employees to find who would be an appropriate mentor or coach to to help with some of that transition i think being partnered in that kind of mentoring way with somebody that Perhaps has already gone through that transition, or is has worked in that role previously. I think could be a really um, a great sounding board for that individual in the new role. And I think it's probably linked similarly to a sort of buddy program concept as well. It's basically saying that you've got you've got a network of people that you can go to and talk through some of the challenges and, and sort of questions that you might have. that like you said before, you might not feel as comfortable saying perhaps to your new people leader, line manager, or or those around you. Um so I think I think the sort of support network is is really, really key as as sort of the the first one. The other is um actually that that kind of reinvention of the probation period for internal moves. And I say that because I don't even know how many organisations actually would have a probationary period for internal moves. Um, But sort of rebranding that, I think, to look at that as a way that you would support colleagues through that transition and have a really open and honest conversation about how things are doing. And I think that's important in the sense of it also goes two way because it's not just whether the organisation thinks that the individual is performing in that new role it's also is that new role what the individual was expecting it to be and and I think that sort of real honest conversation in terms of actually these are things that I think might be working these are things that I think might not be working I think that that sort of conversation is really valuable rather than which the article I think was sort of saying is you get 12, 18, 24 months down the line somebody turns around and goes actually that's not the right person for the role and it's like well I, you know we could have done a heap of interventions during that time in order to um to support them so they're just a couple of um mm. of, of, of thoughts for me what about you Sasha?
0: I agree and just to build on that as well so I maybe this is a idea for another episode I actually think there's a call to reinvent the entire concept for probationary period to be honest with you just because I think it's so it's slightly archaic because You know, when we talk about the probationary period, it's so one-sided. It's the company deciding whether someone is the right fit. But actually, the reality is more so today than ever, it's also a trial period for employees. So, How can you reframe that in a way that it's more engaging and I think more personal and kind of, I don't know, more meaningful as well. But yes, to come back to your point around that kind of buddy-ish program, making sure people have access to the right networks. I agree. And I think from an experience perspective, getting someone hooked up with their buddy or their, you know, their contact in that new network as early as possible is really important. So I know that often the buddy program happens for new hires as soon as you kind of come on board day one onwards, but actually bringing that forward for internals just means they're able to kind of feel a bit more comfortable ask more questions kind of try and get settled before the move officially takes place so I think from an experience perspective if you're thinking about introducing that um, as kind of a formal process trying to do that early on I think is is really effective and actually it kind of can cover over what is normally a bit of a long admin process so whilst you're waiting for the official paperwork you know you can go ahead and get started building those relationships to kind of make you feel a bit more comfortable. I think this is a bit of a shout out to um, an analytics platform. I love Panelit. So I've done some work with Panelit before, and um, but they play exactly in this space around relational analytics. So their platform looks at how are teams interacting with each other and who are the biggest influencers in those organizations. And so if you had a platform like Panelit looking at those relational analytics, you would be able to pinpoint who is the person in the function someone's moving into, or the team that someone's moving into that is going to set them up for success. And it will be the person that has the most connections, the person that is most frequently connected to, you know, the right people that that person also needs to be integrated with. And so I think something like that, it would be amazing. Um, obviously, if you could invest in something like that, but that might be a, a slightly longer term one. Um, and I think the other thing I would add, and it'd be good to get your views on this is, Coaching for managers, both the manager letting go of someone and the manager receiving a new, um, a new candidate. Sorry, not a new candidate, a new employee into their team. Just because I think it's an it's an awkward one i think there's just an awkward feel around people leaving anyway let alone if they're staying in the organisation so i think a bit of coaching either side would also help make it a better experience
1: um what do you think agree and and i also think a bit of a build on that is is when you're internally leaving one role and going into the other i think it can be so much harder to be able to let go of some of that old role if you like and then more seamlessly transition into the new role. And I think that is, for me, one of the biggest differences about leaving an organisation and joining a new organisation versus a role internally. And I think we do need to provide more support to managers. And I think, you know, through coaching um, is, is sort of one avenue in order to try and help make that transition as smooth as possible. Because I do think sometimes... You're not setting somebody up for success, actually, if they're still being expected to to hold on to chunks of of, of previous role and then moving into the new one. And I think that's things like making sure that you've got backfills in place for the old role, so people are sort of coming in and taking over those pieces of work, so that that new person really is set up for success. And I think also in the same way that you sometimes see. People leave an organisation if they can, maybe take a few weeks off to sort of reflect, then get your energy levels up and and ready to move into the new role. How is it that organisations could facilitate some of that? Because I think what you're doing, if you're not thinking about that transition sort of more holistically, you're then actually you're sort of just not setting somebody up for success. And therefore, I think no surprise that some of those articles are saying actually in in 12 months' time the person wasn't performing how i thought they would and that's it's kind of like well yeah because they were they were carrying all that stuff there wasn't a proper transition their managers um didn't talk to each other you know and 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 so you can see why those things um may then happen if it's not sort of managed in the right way i think
0: yeah for sure i wonder if uh, more so at a senior level as well there's some work to do around branding internal moves and thinking about how they're announced to the business in a way that enables that transition more seamlessly so looking at you know how do we announce this so that someone can let go of that stuff I I, I wonder if that's a part of it as well so like if you're thinking about the kind of end-to-end process that someone will go to go through all that life cycle of how do we announce it to the business what's the communication element of that to enable them to be successful because you're totally right when you leave an organization you close that laptop and you're like do you know what Lisa in accounts i don't care anymore and i don't have to care anymore whereas when you're an internal you can't just ignore them you can't delete your emails or move over and i think that's something that we'll never re- i don't think there's any you know, there's no way of getting rid of that unless you work in a really transactional role, which is probably more junior where you can hand off to someone completely. But I think there's probably more creative and structured ways of making that easier. So yeah, no, I think it's really, it's a really, really interesting point. I also think simple, but documenting what that process looks like is really key. I think we do a great job of doing that for onboarding. So most organizations have a, here's your onboarding journey, but for internal moves, That's kind of lacking. So, you know, having that and also publicising that internally on your internal job site as well, I think might help to remove some of the anxiety from your internal applicants about what does this look like for me and how am I going to be able to manage that alongside my other role. So I, I certainly think there's a benefit to doing that. What do you reckon?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think I think it's sort of Lays out then more clearly expectations from all sides. So from you know the employee moving from their old role into the new one, but also like we talked about that sort of transition for for managers as well, because I think that is so so key for them to get that experience right. And also actually we have we sort of haven't talked about, but sometimes also then the impact of the people who are in the team of the individual moving, because often actually they're the most impacted in terms of if that transition isn't sort of managed very well are they are they sort of them with the manager who's moving who can't give all the people in their previous team all the time that they need but actually they're trying to sort of set themselves up for succession the new role so i do think there's there's definitely a need to sort of document that and make that more clear i think for for lots of different sort of um stakeholders i suppose in the process
0: yeah absolutely agree cool all right so topic three before we wrap up what employee experience design or human centred design um, methodologies can organisations use to improve their internal mobility experience? So apart from kind of absorbing ideas and a little bit of brainstorming, what do you think people can do, Laura?
1: I would say our our sort of usual approach that we um, that we often talk about. So the key thing is going to talk to employees that have gone through that process because I think as with A lot of the human-centered design techniques and and what we focus on in ex is understanding that employee lens because i think if we don't do that it has the potential for this to to be a sort of um a process that kind of hr design based on what they think as opposed to kind of going and, and talking to to people that have been through that process and i also think talking to employees at a range of levels across the organization because i think there will be differences probably in your experience based actually on the seniority and i say that because it's the the expectations the nature of the role and i also think where we sort of mentioned before you've got people that might be making a lateral move i.e it's into the same um sort of grade or where people have been promoted because i think there's different things that that, that sort of are factors at play that when you're sort of designing what that experience could look like need to be factored in and then probably the other one which we're seeing increasingly more now with um the the sort of concept of a of a gig economy and people having multiple careers in in their lifetime is also how do we manage the seamless transition and again i would say sort of talking to to employees about this where people are perhaps moving to a completely different role so they, they might have worked in, in sort of one area of the business for, for some time and then they're moving to another part of the business and that in itself can be a fantastic talent opportunity to bring a different way of thinking you know a different skill set but you've got to be really mindful of what then is the impact to that employee and making sure they feel supported they don't feel you know too much out of their depth and, and so talking to employees I think that have been through that process will then help As an organisation, you to sort of craft the right guidance and um, and sort of approach that will then support them in the way that they Mm. need to be supported. So that I think Mm. that's probably um, a big one. What what about you? Yeah,
0: I I also think slightly off topic a bit here, but this and we've spoken about this before. Internal mobility. We've we've spoken a lot about during this episode, moving from one role to another. Um, But I think. We're also, when we talk about internal mobility, it's about opportunity mobility and giving people opportunities to work on something in a different function or trial something new. And I think that is a really powerful strategy and would probably help to minimize the risks of moving someone into a role permanently where maybe they haven't trialed something and so I think a combination of two: so getting this particular experience of moving permanently into a new role, right, along with affording people the opportunity to test the waters a bit through, you know, platforms like Gloat that we've spoken about before, you know, democratizing internal development opportunities using technology will also help de-risk that. But anyway, I've totally digressed. That is not the question we're answering. Other thing I would say is starting small, um, and I think we talked about this in the last season as well is it doesn't need to be like a wholesale months, months and months and months yeah. of work here. Um, you know, it could be as simple as pulling together a checklist. It could be as simple as a, a guidance email or document to managers to help make the transition better. So I think once you've done that research piece and you can identify the kind of top three, four pain points, tackle them one by one. You don't need to do it all in one go. So I definitely say that um and i think that sits nicely into that kind of prototyping and piloting part of the design thinking process so so yeah that would be my advice
1: and i think probably one last point too which we touched on um when you were talking with with and and sort of organization network analysis but is also looking at your data so where you can see for example um where people do move what's the retention of people in in, in those roles mm-hmm. so are you seeing a trend for example, where people leave after six twelve months, and that would give you I think an indication of well there's actually something wrong here in terms of the you know that transition so I think that that piece around your um your kind of people analytics and data insights are obviously going to be really really key I think in um in sort of mapping out where are some of those um, those hotspots? And probably the other thing I'd say is um, a bit linked to the start small is think about whether there is benefit in um, adopting things like a pulse survey. So, you know, perhaps you pulse people 30, 60, 90 days into that new role and just do, do a sense check of like on a scale of one to five, like how are you feeling about the role? And and that might may even give you enough insight to then think, actually, we've got to tweak some things here in order to, to either um, stop that person from perhaps leaving the organisation, or um, or just to sort of tweak the overall experience, I think.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And even even before it gets to kind of attrition, looking at if you've got a tool like Qualtrics or you know something similar, intent to stay, so you're able to kind of yeah. intercept before before people um, make them make the move. So you're kind of seeing is that intent to stay decreasing after a second role. And so I think that would be really interesting. But awesome. Cool. We're at time. That is a full episode. Uh, <laughs> lots, hopefully lots of kind of interesting ideas for people and would love to hear as well, because we don't hear this kind of spoken about much in the in the kind of public sphere of employee experience. If someone's done something really cool and they've they've seen it work really well, or if you've moved as part of your organization and it's been an amazing experience would love to know um you know what made that an amazing experience so we can definitely shout that out in another episode so yeah yeah. awesome well um
1: we can say as always (laughs) yeah uh we we said we're um we're up in the socials so (laughs) do like rate subscribe um on whatever podcast app or if you watch this obviously on on YouTube as well now and um, but we've also got um, an Instagram handle which is the experience lounge podcast and we also have um, a LinkedIn page the experience lounge so do go and check it out because that's how you'll get all of them um, all the updates on what we're recording and um, some our attempts at stories and reels <laughs> <laughs> tragic so <you'll>, like exactly <laughs> you'll get to see some of that two aging women
0: trying not to age that's what we like <laughs> trying our best in brills, though um, so yeah go ahead and check them out but thank you all so much for watching or listening and we will be back next week with episode three have a great weekend great see you then bye bye